Let me just read a, a few verses that come from that text so that you're reminded of what it says. It's on page 7 in your bulletin. It says, If anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. This is the word of our Lord. How does someone determine what something is worth? We all have our weaknesses, and one of my uh, guilty pleasures in life is to watch the Antiques Roadshow. Maybe some of you have, have seen that show. And what they do is, is people basically bring in junk from their attics, maybe some family heirlooms, and they want to find out what something is worth. Uh, sometimes they find out it's worth absolutely nothing. Other times they find out it, it has a large, uh, high price tag behind it. This last week, there was some big news in the antique roadshow they're actually filming right here in Manhattan. Uh, a lady came in who brought a collection of baseball cards from the 1870s from the Boston Red Stockings. She had previously taken it to a dealer who offered her $5,000 for them, and she said, well, let me, let me take them to the roadshow and see what they're worth. And she was quoted a million dollars for her collection of baseball cards. It's one of the most expensive things they've had on the show. How does someone determine what something is worth? Right? Today, we're not talking about what the value is of our possessions. Rather, we're going to be talking about our own self-worth. How do we determine what we are worth? Very often, we believe this lie, the lie that we're going to be focusing on today, that my worth is determined by my performance, by what I do. You see, we live in a society where it seems that from the moment you're born to the moment you die, we are graded. We're on a scale compared to other people, where we have our own feelings of, of self-worth, and other people may even judge us, judge us according to who we are and what we have done. As children, you start off by being graded as far as how well you do in peewee baseball or peewee football, by how many touchdowns you can score, how many home runs you can hit. When you get to school, you're put into the, either the smart class or you might notice that your reading level isn't like what the other kids are. And then you get your report cards. And you could be one of the kids that's in the A and B range or one of the kids who's in the C or D range. And you would think it would get better as life goes on, but it, it seems to almost get worse. As you go into high school, there's more stress and more pressure for doing well in sports and academics. In college, it's the same thing, stress for sports and academics, but, but even more so in the sense that it doesn't just matter how well you do in college, but also what college do you go to? Right? What career path have you chosen? What is your major? And you would, it sounds like, well, maybe this is something that we grow out of later on as we become adults, but, but it's not. Um, think about the way that people... When they first meet you, when you introduce yourself to somebody else, what is the first question that is being asked? The first one is, what's your name? But what's the second one that always comes next? What do you do? Right? What do you do? We find our identity in what we do, and maybe even a sense of worth 
in what we do and how well we do it. Because one of the reactions might be, oh, you're a doctor, versus, oh, you're a garbage collector. Isn't that nice? Right? And, but even in your specific line of, uh, of work, there is a sense of value and worth behind it. Right? How well you do, how many sales you may get, how much money you make, how efficient you are, how trustworthy you are. And it's all compared with other people in the company and even around the world. And it seems that there are two opposite but equally dangerous reactions. One can be pride, as you look down on others who cannot perform nearly as well as you do. And the other is a feeling of worthlessness. Because you see that you can't perform as well as you'd like, or you can't perform as well as other people would like you to. In 1986, at the track and field championships, uh, a woman who had formerly broken the collegiate record in the 10,000 meter was running. And she was running against 19 other women. There was the, the lead pack. She was in it with three others. And a little bit over halfway through the race, she, she was not running as well as she wanted. She ran out of the stadium, went a few blocks over, went to a bridge and jumped. This past week, with the suicide of Robin Williams, a lot of people are starting to talk about suicide and why someone would think about it and why someone would commit suicide. And sometimes it's because they believe this lie that we're talking about today, that my worth is determined by my performance. See, as we've been going through these lies the past several weeks, we've found out how these lies can they can cause a, cause a reaction in us that, that affects us emotionally, even physically at times, but, but worst of all, spiritually. And that's what the Apostle Paul in our lesson today really focuses in on as he writes this letter to these Philippian Christians about this group of people who have infiltrated their church called Judaizers. They're basically people who are saying that if you want to be a good Christian, a, a better Christian, you have to do this and this and this. It said specifically, you have to obey the Old Testament laws. You... you you have to live in this way. You have to be circumcised. You cannot eat pork anymore. And you have to obey the Sabbath. And so the Apostle Paul starts off by listing his credentials as a Jew in the past. And again, he lists off this, these things not to break, but rather to make a point. And so he starts this list in, in verse 5. He says this, that he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, which means he came from a very strict religious family of Jews. And even more so, it says that he came from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, a lot of Jews at this time may not have even been able to trace back their ancestry to a specific tribe of Israel, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. He could. Even more so, he was a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, the tribe of Benjamin was unique because... Out of the ten of the twelve tribes of Israel left the covenant throne of David in the south and went to the north. And it was only that remained in the south, Judah and Benjamin. So there was a specific amount of pride that came with being a member of one of those two tribes. But just as impressive as the family in which Paul was born was his zeal for retaining the the traditions of his forefathers at a former time in his life. And he mentions who he was. He says that he was a part 
He was not just a Jew, but he was a part of an elite group of Jews called Pharisees, who not only strictly obeyed the Old Testament laws, but also made up and invented new laws and obeyed them too. And he says even among those Pharisees, he was one of the best. That among those people, they would have said he was faultless when it came to being a Pharisee. It would be very similar to if one of us would think that we are more acceptable to God or have earned special brownie points with God because we come from a very strict uh, or religious family or because we were confirmed or because we pray every night or because we go to church every single week and because of that we have, we have this special standing in front of God. But sadly, the opposite is also true for some of us too. That when we look at our past, we don't see feel pride or, or brownie points that we've earned with God. We feel the opposite. We, we look, we not only feel as if we deserve nothing from God, even worse, we might even have a fear of God. Because we have fear that if God is a God of karma, then he might get me back for the things that I did in my life. You see, either reaction, even though they are opposite reactions, they're both symptoms of a person who believes this lie that my worth is determined by my performance. Well, the Apostle Paul had a a new understanding of what worth was and, and how a person is valued on the day when he met God personally, visibly, physically. When Jesus came to him, knocked him off of his donkey, and, and Paul did not stand up in pride listing off all of his credentials and things that he did. No, rather, he would have been like a person curled up in the fetal position, quivering in fear because he could not live up to those perfect standards of God. And if we believe this lie that our worth is determined by our performance, we would have done the same thing that Paul did on that day. But on that day, Paul had a different understanding of worth. He realized that all those things that he did, which he thought was gaining a a special acceptance from God, was absolutely worthless. But he also found out that on that day that he was not worthless because his worth was rather determined by what his Savior did for him. And so he says this in verse 7, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And he continues by saying where his pride and his worth is found. In verse 8 it says, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. So he says basically that everything I've done in the past, it's rubbish, it's, it's garbage, it's to be thrown out. In comparison to what my Savior has done for me, they mean nothing. And the same is true for you. That as you look at your life and maybe have feelings of, of worthlessness because of your lack of performance in certain areas, it's our God who comes to us and reminds us where our worth really is. See, He's thrown all those things out, like rubbish, He says, like garbage. He's thrown them out and He's forgiven you. And he reminds you of how precious you are when we see him going to the cross for us. And if you have feelings of of pride as you look down on other people, he reminds you not of your achievements, but of his. Think about our Savior's achievements, not ours. Think of his. He took on Satan himself. 
He set out to reverse everything that we destroyed in the Garden of Eden. And he went through this whole plan of salvation where he himself personally, physically came down, to heaven, came down from heaven to be with us, to live a perfect life for us and finally go to the cross for you and me. He took all of our sins on us and, put, and he received the wrath of God that we should have received. And he defeated death. Who can do that? But he did. Those are his achievements. And that's where we see our worth. Not in what we have done, but in what he has done for us. I, I heard my kids talking the other day, and it's always, uh, it's always funny listen, you know, dropping in on a conversation between a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. And, and one, of them, one of them said how bragging to the other one, guess what I found outside? Two nickels, he said. And then the older one said back, like, well, I have four quarters. Yeah. And the other one said back, oh, you're so lucky. What are you going to do with all that money? You know, and there's this sense of pride and, and this feeling of worthlessness right there in, the, in this money. And I'm, th- and I'm rolling my eyes in the back of my head thinking, you guys don't understand value and worth at all. But isn't that what our Heavenly Father does to us when we brag about our comparatively small achievements that we have done in our lives? Or when we feel, have feelings of worthlessness because of what we did or did not do according to other people's standards, in comparison to what our Savior did, it means nothing. And that's where we see our value, in our Savior. And so if you want to brag, brag about your Savior who decided to come into this world for you. Instead of simply living his life as an example for you, which you wouldn't be able to follow anyways, he decided to be a substitute for you. And he gave you his perfect life so that on the day of judgment, you would be judged not by your performance, but by his. If you want to have pride, have pride in your Savior who loved you so much and put a price tag on you that said priceless. Whether or not you feel like you deserve it, he did that. And you see the proof of that in the fact that he went to the cross for you. And if you want to boast, boast in the faith that has been given to you by our God to intimately connect you with Jesus in his death and resurrection so that you can have confidence of your own resurrection. I suppose if Jesus was the judge of the Antiques Roadshow and someone brought us the junk from their attic in, a lot of people might think this isn't going to be worth much at all. But our Savior put that price tag on us that said that we are priceless. Our worth is not determined by our performance, but by His. Amen.